Blog Talk Radio. Wait, that's the wrong one. <laughs> Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Ladies and gentlemen, Harry Doyle, the famous Bob Euchre in the call of Major League, and it just didn't happen this time. Seth and Sean Sports Radio, sorry we weren't around on Tuesday. I was in Disneyland. It was fun times with the family, uh, the aunts, the uncle, the cousins, the nieces, the nephews, the homish buckle, as they like to say in New York. The what? And the what? Mishbuckle. The Mishpocha. Is this why I live in New Jersey? Because I don't know what this Yiddish crap means. Mishpocha. It's it's a group of people. It's a herd. And we were a herd. 25 people large. And large people we are. In uh, in Disneyland and Universal Studios. Winning, going on all the rides. So I'm sorry I wasn't around on Tuesday. But the fact remains. The Indians haven't won anything. And since 1948, and they're not, sorry, 48 or 54, 54, and they're not about to win this year either, thanks to the Yankees? Uh, I, no, I, 50, I, 50, I know, 54, I, they lost to the Giants in four. So it's right, back so to 40. 48, 48. 48. Lou Boudreau in 48. So yep. you, you and I, in our baseball preview, Neither one I, – I think I had the Yankees in the playoffs. I think I had them in the wild card. And you didn't have them in the playoffs, right? Because you that had the true. Mets and, and I had the Yankees, right. But I definitely didn't have half the wild card. And here we are down 2 nothing in a best of five, and they come roaring back to win three games in pretty typical Yankee fashion for this year. The Bronx Bombers are back as far as bombs away. Didi Gregorius, who broke the Yankee record, and you can imagine the Yankee record. The Yankees have been around since 1902 when they were the Baltimore Orioles first and they became the New York Highlanders. I bet you didn't know they were the Baltimore Orioles first for a year. Did you know that? So 1902, they were the Baltimore Orioles. 1903, they became the Highlanders. 1921, they became the Yankees. And Didi Gregorius had more home runs this year than any player, any shortstop in Yankee history. And there are lots of great shortstops, Hall of Famers in Yankee history. He hits two yesterday. The bullpen does its job. I got to tell you, I saw the last inning. I didn't really think that last strike was a strike, but it was close enough that you shouldn't be taking it at that point. And yeah. I don't, I don't know, though. Chapman didn't look the unhittable Chapman giving up a, a hit and going through 30 pitches in the inning. That's a lot of pitches. But overall, the Yankees have certainly – look, you said it earlier this year. They are two years ahead of where we thought they would be. Yeah, and it's interesting they're playing the Astros, and they'll be underdog to the Astros, who are a year to two years ahead of where, where they're anticipated. Welcome to the show, everybody. Um, you know, Sean and I joke about – in our dream world, he's not a lawyer, I'm not a CPA, and we're hosting a show 
every day. If there was ever a week where you could literally go four hours, and we've hosted two-hour shows without commercial break, which is longer than any pretty much anyone else does. Um, if there was a week you could do this, this would have been the last seven days would have been that week. If we had hosted on Tuesday, it would have been me bitching and moaning about about U.S. soccer. Didn't we have? Yeah, we're going we to get to that. We're going to get to that. Don't don't worry. I, I I got words. I got lots and lots of words you, about the U.S. soccer. You, are they are they the, are they the best words? They are yeah, the best of about, the best words. Uh, Eli Manning trade bait. We'd be discussing, you know, we'll get to Zeke Elliott, who is suspen- whose suspension was, re- was reinstated today. Um, but we do have to talk a little bit of baseball. And, yeah, no one really saw this coming. And if you did, do you really think that it would have been based on the, an MVP candidate who had the single worst divisional series in the history of baseball? And I don't even say this with embellishment. He was one for 20 with, 17, with 16 strikeouts. Um, yeah. A, t- a team that well, could, let, should have won let me put, two. Seth, let me put that Please. in perspective for a second. So Aaron Judge, who, as Seth said, is an MVP candidate. And, look, Seth, Seth knows a lot about sports. I know a lot about sports. I'm, more of the, I'm definitely more of the minutia guy, where it's the minutia that gets me. So Aaron Judge struck out 16 times in a series. In Four, in five games. That is the major league record all time, going back all time in a series. And that includes teams that played seven games. He struck out more times in five games than anybody in history has ever struck out in a seven-game series. And that includes guys like Dave Kingman and Reggie Jackson and Barry Bobby Bonds, who once had the major league record for strikeouts was 189, and that's been obliterated. I mean, obliterated by guys like Aaron Judge, who strike out 200 times in a year. It is an all-or-nothing game, and Aaron Judge was all about nothing in this series. But you, you got guys named Didi, and suddenly you win. Uh, you win because the best pitcher in the American League didn't didn't go more than three innings in either in four innings in either start. You know, they they won the first. They ended up winning the first game. You know, Cleveland's offense was not great. The Yankees bullpen was absolutely sensational, led by David Roberts Robinson, who had I think three and a third yesterday. Um, you know, the, the trade. You know, we were talking the trade that they made. With Chicago to bring in Tommy to bring in um, Todd Frazier, who scored the insurance run to bring in Tommy. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Was phenomenal. Chad Green's been phenomenal. Adam Warren's been phenomenal. I mean, they're all star. Betances isn't even coming off. Even even is barely warming up at this point. And Alana Shabin, I agree. I don't think has been as strong as we've seen him in the past. Um, but. And also, he's still not a two-inning pitcher. I know he does it for the playoffs, but I was legitimately concerned uh, when he came in in the eighth. But it was enough, and they now play, again, a team that's better than them in Houston. Better, better yeah. hitting, led by Springer, the probable, probable MVP in uh, Altuve. Carlos Correa is healthy. 
you know, a stud starters with Keiko and Verlander. But, you know, it, it's not a, it was not a Yankee team feeling an enormous amount of pressure. And I don't think, I think anyone would be silly to write them off right now. Well, I would agree with you, but unless the bats get going, I mean, it's kind of hard when you rely on Didi Gregorius to lead your team in hitting. And if you have MVP candidates, sooner or later, as we all know, if, if those guys don't start hitting, look at, I mean, look at the Indians. I, I mean, you could put this all on Corey Kluber if you want. You could put this – I mean, Trevor Bauer had an amazing first game pitching. The hitting just didn't get it done. No. I mean, I mean, Kipnis went one for 16. Encarnacion went one for 15 or so. I mean, these guys, these big guys, the big hitters in that team just didn't come through. And when you can't hit, and yet obviously you got to pick up your pitching. Kluber's been there all year. Bauer's been there all year. They've had good pitching all year. They needed two games at it with their offense. This is a team that won 22 at 23 out of 24 games in in August and September. So the hitting just wasn't there. And props to the Yankees. Um. Yeah, props to the Yankees. See you later, Cleveland, and see you later, John Farrell. Can I go there now? Yeah, I think we should yeah, go there now. Go right ahead. So, so, I mean, Boston loses, and out goes their manager. And quite frankly, I don't think that's fair. I don't. I don't think it's his. I don't think it's his fault. I mean, I don't know any it's more an than interesting situation. It's an interesting situation with Farrell. He's been there, I think, six years, give or take. He's won, he's won a World Series. He's won, I think, two to other division titles. And he's come in last twice. And, but the stories out of what I heard was he would have been fired in 2015 if it wasn't for, his, for him uh, being diagnosed with cancer. I mean, to me, you know, the AL East is not a particularly strong division. But he was able to maneuver a team, an extraordinarily young team, not from a pitching staff perspective, but when you look at Mookie Betts and Bogart and the center fielder, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Andrew, you know who I'm talking about. Bettinelli. Um, Thank you. you know, and Raphael Devers. Uh, I mean, this is an extraordinarily young team with a lot of upside going forward. To get, I mean, it's impressive considering the, the step back that Rick Porcello took. And maybe you want to give the props to uh, Dombrowski for bringing in um, Chris Sale just to kind of replace how, how you know, the year that, Rick, that Rick Porcello had, Price was not good. They still won the division. And, but, you know, it seems like a lot of people wanted him out. So it'll be interesting to see, to see where they go. If they stay within, within, the, within the team, look for, or whether they go outside and look at a Joey Cora or, you know. You mean yeah, Alex I heard Terry Cora. Collins is available. Alex Cora, excuse me. I oh. heard Terry Collins is available. Yeah, he's available too. This It's like the Black Monday of, of Major League Baseball managing fire and managerial fires. And, yeah, Terry Collins is available. Bobby Valentine's available. I mean, if they really want to go back to Hey, Davey Johnson's available. Gil Hodges is no longer available for going. I, I think I, I don't think he would be available at this point. But you never know. 
Hold on. I guess Casey Stengel would also be available. Does that cover the the rest of the coaches? Please please tell me that Davey Johnson is still alive. Because for some reason, I have it in the back of my head that Davey Johnson is is passed away. But nope, he's still alive. Okay. No, he's alive. Well, that made me feel better. Gil Hodges is dead. Casey Stengel is not. No, I understand that, that. Look, Gil Hodges never made it to when you and I were born. I mean, I got that part. <laughs> it was a little. I mean, I was. I was just like, we can't be talking about a dead guy here. Like, and we're talking about like he can come back. But yeah, I mean, look, Dombrowski's first hire for the Tigers was Brad Ausmus, and he's available as well. Do they go for a retread? Do they go for a new guy? And I mean, that's really. What's at stake? So let's move over to the National League, and we have the Dodgers cleaned up with the Diamondbacks. I mean, cleaned them up. Um, I mean, you Darvish pitched a wonderful game three, followed up by Kent Maeda. The hitting was there. Puig was there. Clay Bellinger, the rookie of the year for the National League, they cleaned it up, 3 nothing. Then you have this other sort of controversy that happened in Washington. And why is it that every single postseason, there was controversy in Washington every year. And maybe it's because Dusty Baker is a moron. But right now, there's controversy in that Strasburg was going to pitch game four, wasn't going to pitch game four. Well, he pitched game four, they won. So now you have game five. Winner take all. I believe that's tomorrow. Cubs, no, it's tonight. Cubs and it's tonight. Cubs and Nationals tonight. I believe where so. you have uh, Gio. I think it's Gio Gonzalez pitches Gio Gonzalez against and Hendricks. Am I wrong? Oh, Kyle Hendricks. Is it really tonight? Maybe you're right. No. Yeah, eight o'clock tonight on TBS. Okay. Okay. Well, it's in fifteen minutes. So. And then you find out who's going to face off against the Dodgers. And I believe I picked the Dodgers to go to the, fi- to go to the finals. I'm sticking with them. I mean, they looked great. They looked absolutely on, on target. And they'll be rested, and they'll have Kershaw off for game one, game four, and game seven if they need them. But the thing is, yeah, uh, this, is this, this is the first year, set where they may not need them in three games. They have a legitimate number two. Well, they had Granky, so I, I guess they've had one. But, but yeah. So no, they'll be the fa- okay, they'll be the so, favorite regardless of whether it's Washington or Chicago. But it should be a fun game five tonight. Agreed. So let's move on to our second favorite subject of the day. And there are lots of favorite subjects. So I'll let you pick your poison. Would you like door number one? or door number two, because they both affect you. So I have a, a fingers behind my back. I know which one is which. Door number one or door number two? I'll go with door number two. Door number two. Give me, give me a rant about the U.S. World Cup. Go. <laughs> Let's see. No, this. I'm not joking. Go. Where do we begin? You no, lost go. <laughs> You lost to Trinidad and Tobago to make the World Cup. All you needed to do was tie. You are this was this was as embarrassing and I watched the game. 
This was as embarrassing a performance as you could ever imagine, especially coming off of a 4-0 loss, 4-0 victory over Panama. But look at the teams in this region. Mexico, Costa Rica, Honduras, Panama. We have 350 million people. We have a $100 million surplus for U.S. soccer. Why have we not gotten better in the last 10 years? And this is regardless of whether they made the cup or not. They have been brutally bad this entire, this entire tournament. Terrible. They're, they don't, they, there seems to be no improvement other than Christian Pulisic, who is a superstar at age 19. There is no spark to this team whatsoever. And when you have a hundred, and this is a sport which every kid plays growing up, and you can't develop you can't develop any kind of talent. Forgetting to be, you know, they haven't made the last two Olympics. They missed the World Cup in eight. They're going to miss the World Cup in, 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 in this summer, the next summer. It is time to tear the whole goddamn thing down because there's no argument against it. There just isn't. They're not good. And I've been pushing this to the side and pushing it to the side because at the end of the day, the U.S. is going to is going to qualify, and we'd make we'd make we play our heroic effort and lose in the you know the second round of the World Cup. But after 2002, I expect you know this was a, a team that went to the quarterfinals, outplayed Germany, and lost in really a controversial fashion, and they have not gotten better since. We have the money, we have our own league which may be a hindrance because more people are playing in the MLS instead of playing overseas where they should be to get better. The whole thing is a goddamn – it's a, it's a disaster. And it would have been a disaster whether okay. they won it or not. Okay. Okay. So, so I've gotten your take. I'm happy to hear it. Um, we suck. It, it's that simple. I got it. So uh, answer me this. Our women are really good. They've been really good for a very long period of time. Why do the men suck and the women are so good? I think there's a couple reasons. Um, I think, number one, women's sports, why, there, there are just more people playing, more women who play soccer than men. Men have football. Women, for the most part, don't. Men play baseball. For the most part, yes, there is softball, but there's no career path with softball. So the only sports that, for women where there's a real career path are basketball, tennis, and soccer, and golf, I guess. So to me, if, if you're athletic, this is, this is, and you're, if you're not, a big, you're not a huge, big enough to play basketball, this is the logical place, I guess. And it's been, you know, once they started in the early 90s, the, the, it, the, I guess whatever you want to call it, the winning atmosphere, aura, whatever you want to say, you know, they have been among the three or four best teams in the league for twenty over 20 years. The U.S., I guess there's just too many options of sports. They don't develop them correctly. I, I don't know. I'm not enough of an expert to tell you how it can be fixed or, why, or to answer this question. But to me, well, you're my guy, so I need you to tell me how it will be fixed. Well, the obvious, the obvious answer to me is it's it's an, it's a better it's more women going to soccer than men. 
because there are, there are just more options. There are, there are more sports options professionally for men than there are for women. And that's not being sexist. That's just being factual. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, look, I'll take what you say as gospel because, well, I mean, my, look, I know opi- nothing. That's my opinion. I mean, I don't, well, I don't think that's really – Your opinion is really worth far more in this than, than mine. Um, yeah, I, look, I, I get you, and I understand it. I just have a hard time with it resonating. I mean, look, there are lots of things that women can play beyond softball, and they do. Yeah. And, I mean, so is it – there's no less funding for men. Is it just the quality? No. Well, I guess, I guess it comes down to this. What I said – I guess the big question is, is, is it the quality of players or is it the actual game planning and coaching – that goes into it. Do we have the quality of players to compete with, to beat Trinidad, to beat Tobago, to even be in the World Cup and get to the quarterfinals? Or is it that our talent just isn't there, that no matter how good you coach up the talent, you're still starting at such a deficit that there's no way to get there? There's probably, it's probably a combination of both. And the whole, you know, the under-17 and under-20 teams have made, you know, there are World Cups for the under-17 and under-20. And the U.S. has actually made the quarters in both of them in the last couple years. There is a lot of young talent coming up. And it's the why one of the the thoughts is that the guy who's coaching the under-20 team, a guy named Tab Ramos, who played for the U.S. World Cup team, I want to say in 94, 98. I remember that guy. Yeah, I remember that guy. His name was okay. his name was Tab. There's not too many people named Tab yeah. named after a soft trick. Soft soft trick. So I mean, he, You know, the rumor is he may be he's a favorite to become the head coach because he also knows all these guys. Um, I think there was complacency. I think there's also probably not you know when the 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 the, con, the, the comparison people have been making, and I'm not sure if it's there, is to Germany in 2000 um, when they had a horrible Euros. And they just decided, you know what, we're, we're pretty much tearing it down and bringing it back up. Put a lot into development, put, you know, and now Germany is the best team in the world. Again, it's 15 years later. And that was the expectation yep. in 2002 when, when the U.S. went to the World Cup and beat Mexico and, as I said, lost to Germany in a very, very close game in the quarters. And I don't think we've gotten better. I don't, think our, I, I don't know if the talent is better or not. But what's happened is part of the issue is MLS has, has limited the amount of foreign players that can play for them. I believe it's two per team, which means there are more U.S. players playing here than playing overseas. You need to play overseas against better competition to get better, just like in any other sport. And it's not happening. You know, all these guys, if you go through them, outside of Christian Pulisic, Right now, most of these guys are not playing overseas. As bad a job as I understand Jurgen Klinsmann did, this was something that he pushed for. And it came back. In, I also think some of these players are overrated. I just do. But, you know, Bruce, this is what's happened. They got complacent. They sh- and, look, they got complacent whether they made the World Cup or not. 
Mm-hmm. The U.S. at worst should be the second best team in this region every year behind Mexico. Costa Rica has gotten better. There's no question about that. And look, they, if Costa Rica can, can put together a development program, why the hell can't the United States? Their goalie is the, is the, is the goalie for, I believe, Real Madrid. We don't, I mean, why can't we have people at this level? So my, whoever, you know, now I was actually hearing this morning, I was listening to Sirius FC, which is not one I listen to too often. And they were saying that they think that the guy who runs the United States Soccer Federation is going to stay because they, they've put in regulations to make it very difficult to run against them. And that's, you know, which in this, in this world is probably not a shock. But well, that's it, corruption. Yeah. Just like we're seeing more and more in every aspect of life, whether it's just whether it's always been there and it's just become more to fruition or just more to light or what. Um, it's just it is exacerbating. So, and I love the World Cup, so, and I am going to be so, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, let's start a petition to get Seth Cavins to run USA Soccer. I think we can have a GoFundMe event. I think we can push <laughs> this across. And we can have somebody that is non-biased, that needs an attorney. Nepotism doesn't exactly, um, it doesn't go away. I'm okay with that. Uh, and we, we, can, we can have Seth Kamins as president and Sean Palmer as general counsel of USA Soccer. I'm sorry we would no longer be able to host a podcast, but that's okay. We'd be all right with but those we may, be, we, we, um, we may be able to. Um, we just couldn't talk about soccer. We just couldn't talk about soccer. So, Which is okay because we only do that about three times a decade. So it's not really yeah, all that bad. Yeah. yeah. We bring so, it up two or three times oh, okay. a year. Okay. So, all right. So I'm not watching the World Cup. Well, thankfully, I'm happy that the World Cup's in Russia. Because at least now it's happening at like six in the morning or like two in the morning, my time. So I don't really have to watch it. But let, let's say I am going to pick a team. And we'll talk about this, obviously, more next year. But if I'm picking a team, which team am I rooting for? Which team has, is the feel-good story? Is it Tobago at this point? Are they the cool well, running they, well, of the going. World Cup? No, well, they're not, they're not Wait, going so, to the World Cup. They were, no, they were one in eight. There's six teams oh. that make the final. Excuse me? I said, oh, yeah, they were, okay. Yeah, they were one and eight. So what happens is in CONACAF, which is the soccer region, the top three make the cup, and the fourth plays in what's called a playoff, a home-and-home home against a team from Asia. So whoever won, whoever got fourth place, plays, which is Honduras, plays Australia in a home-and-home, and, home and the winner goes to the cup. So Mexico, Mexico dominated. Costa Rica was very, very good. Those were one and two. And then the U.S., Panama, and Honduras were competing for three, four, and five. The U.S. had a 93% chance of qualifying going into this game, or at a minimum not being eliminated. Um, you know, the only way they could be eliminated is if they, if they lost and Panama beat Costa Rica and Mexico and Honduras beat Mexico. And ironically, you and I were at a bar four years ago called Bourbon Street on the Upper West Side. And we saw the last five, two minutes of, of the U.S. Panama game. 
where if all the U.S. had to do, U.S. had already qualified. All U.S. had to do was not win, and Mexico was going to be eliminated from the World Cup. And the U.S. scored two goals in the last five minutes and eliminated Panama and let Mexico into the cup. So Mexico, unfortunately, couldn't couldn't um, couldn't couldn't reciprocate. Uh, maybe they're still angry about the stinks, war. You know what stinks even more? I would have gone to the home and home. I would have gone to Australia and watched them play soccer. Like that would have been awesome. I would have I would have totally worked out of our Sydney office and said, "Hey, I got a soccer game to go to. Like I'm good." And maybe I could have dragged you there. To, no, that would never have happened. Okay, well, you know what? One thinks. Okay, so we're done with door number one. Wait, wait, wait. Door number one. Done. That, that was okay. door number one. That was door number two. That was door number one. We are opening no, that was door up. Door number two. And, and go. Oh, that was door number two. We're opening up and going into door number two. Eli Manning. Go. Well, I'm not sure what trade value he has. And I can't believe I'm going to say this about a Giants team five games into the season, but the season is obviously over. It is time to suck for Saquon. Uh, Saquon Barkley, the running back from Penn State. Um, I don't know what we have in Davis, in Davis Webb. I don't know what we have in anything. But with three wide receivers out for the season, 0-5, the, t- the offensive line is a disaster. The running game is a disaster. The defense has been mediocre at best. And Eli has no time to breathe. I'm not sure the point of keeping him at this point. Because this doesn't look like it's a short-term, so it's a short-term you know, fix. It, it kind of makes me feel very similar to how you felt about the Jets two, when they went 11-5 and five two years ago. The, or 10-6. The, the difference being is I don't think... A lot of us thought the Jets, the Jets season was a bit of an anomaly. I don't think most of us thought the Giants season was last year. And you can come up with any argument. Well, you know, they were, in, they were winning in three of the five games. They lost on a 61-yard field goal. They, they're 0-5. The, discuss, the, the discussion is over. Jerry Reese is going well, to be gone. Yep. I'm sorry. Jerry Reese is going to be gone. No, I was going to say, here's where – Yep. Okay, no, I'm done. You, you can go. Okay, here's where the discussion starts. Odell Beckham breaks his ankle. Odell Beckham is owed $8.4 million next year as they picked up his option year, which actually is only guaranteed for injury. So he gets his $8.4 million. No, no matter if he cut – they can't cut him before the year. My question to you is, going into the offseason – do you look to, and you haven't obviously gone into the offseason, but you've gone into Odell Beckham's offseason. He's going to want dollars. He's going to want Deion Sanders dollars. And by that, I mean drawing them at home plate dollars and another dollar and another dollar. Do you pay him? I'm not sure you do. I don't know. I'm not sure either. As great as he is, and I don't think it's a simple. I don't, and I know people are kind of rolling their eyes saying he's Odell Beckham, but when your team seems to have fallen so quickly as this team has, and seems to to be now in a complete rebuilding mode, do you want to spend 
$20 million a year on a wideout who, while phenomenal. Selfish? Is, is, has a lot of negative connotation to him. Well, he's going to get the money me, somewhere, though. Agreed. Let me and, Let me call out two people's names, and you tell me. Where you put this guy. And look, I think his talent is on a par, if not better, with either one of these two guys. But I think the situations are very similar to both of them. Joey Galloway and Keyshawn Johnson. I'm not sure where you're going with Galloway. Because Galloway was a speedy guy, but Galloway didn't have the talent that he did, but I, I'm trying to remember back. It's like going back 20. You're talking about where he played himself out of New England. No, Galloway played, played himself. himself out of. No, no, Galloway was in Seattle, and was he held Seattle out. He held out, and he got tr- traded to Dallas for two first-round picks. Roy Williams held out, got traded for two first-round picks to Dallas. Keyshawn Johnson, these guys are all receivers, all at the top of their game when they wanted Buku dollars, and they all got traded because they wanted Buku dollars, and they had an attitude problem, all of them. That was the reason why the Jets traded Keyshawn Johnson. It wasn't that he wasn't talented. It's that they just didn't want the influence on the team. And they got two first-round picks for him. That was the year of the John Abraham, Sean Ellis, Anthony Beck, and Nick Mangold first round, which they had four first-round picks. Not, well, not, not, not Nick Mangold, Chad Pennington. Not Nick, it wasn't Nick right. Mangold. You're, you're correct. You're correct. Sorry, not Nick Mangold. So the point being is that now back then – a little bit different in the fact that you didn't have the you had the franchise tag, but you really didn't use it. Now they use the franchise tag very liberally. You can't make Odell Beckham, particularly the fact that he has a broken ankle, you can't make him the number one paid receiver in the game. Not in my opinion. Certainly not till he comes back. And then, even then, do you want to pay eleven or twelve million dollars to a guy that when he Scores a touchdown, he keys like a dog, gets gets a penalty, and then says, "Okay, whatever." He's not a team player. He reminds me more and more of Keyshawn Johnson every time I watch him. Yeah, I mean they're going to be in one heck of a spot because I don't know what they do with him. I really don't. If you could get two first-round picks for him, I guess you have to make the deal. But it is ex- I mean, there's just nobody with his talent. He's the, probably the most talented wideout in the NFL, other than from a height perspective. It's really, diff- it's really difficult to walk away from that talent. I, don't, I honestly don't know what they're going to do. Like they need to bring in a GM, and you know my feelings on him. I mean, in my mind, he's been living off the of draft ten years ago. 
Are you playing music in the back? There's a sad sort of clanging from the clock in the hall. Did you actually hang up on me, which wouldn't be surprising whatsoever. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to call in, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to call in, 760-283-0846. I don't think the Giants could get two first-round picks for Odell Beckham without him coming back from this surgery. I don't think they could get it this year. So, you have that. So, the question is, is there anything else? And it's ironic because people at my work last week were saying, trade him before the deadline, trade him before the deadline, trade him before the deadline, get like two two firsts and a second. I was like, yeah, that's about what you would get. But now you can't trade him today. You'd have to make sure he's healthy. No team would... No team would pay $2 million, uh, sorry, two first-round picks for him today. That's certainly not the case. Agreed. So, yeah. So, anyway. So, all right. So, aside from the Giants, I mean, we're, we're five games in. Aside from the Giants and aside from the Jets, who are three and two, some <laughs> – Godly way, they are three and two, and in first place of that division. But the problem is, they're in first place of that division because they just can't do anything I ask them to do. Like, stink. Would you be surprised? Well, what do you think? Let's go back to Giants for a second. What do you think the Giants' record at the end of the year will be? Four and twelve. So where are their four wins? Oh, let me. I'll pull up their schedule. Certainly not tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Or not Monday night. Excuse me. They play at the Broncos. They'll lose that. Home against the Seahawks. Yeah, probably lose that. I would take them home against the Rams. I would take them at the Niners. I would take them in one of the NFC East games whether it's the Redskins or the Cowboys who have their own issues to deal with. And I would have them winning over the Cardinals. Yeah, so, winning over the Cardinals. Okay. Yeah, I think the Cardinals are going to be playing for nothing at that point also. So, yeah, but, I mean, it, okay. really, it really feels like this is a best-case scenario of 4-12. and 12. Right. Okay. I mean, look, I think the Jets – are going to be five and eleven, so we're going to go two and nine in our last eleven games. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if we wound up five and eleven. And you know what five and eleven gets you in the draft, right? 
an offensive lineman from Indiana? I was going to say a tight end from West Virginia, but yeah, about <laughs> the same thing. Another, another Kyle Brady. Well. That's what we. That's what we get. Well, he's from so he's let's from Penn move State, on. But yeah, I know where to do it. Or Anthony Becht. There you go. There you go. From West Virginia. So moving on to some better teams than your Giants and my Jets, but and. That clicking sound that you hear outside your door right now to all those listeners is every single fantasy player picking up Alfred Morris. Every single one. Alfred Morris, I went on Yahoo five minutes after the suspension was upheld, and Alfred Morris was already the most added player in fantasy for the week. Not for the day, for the week. When did and the, I have when to think about this well. When did the reinstatement come into play? Because I, uh, I was 445, on today. Between 445 and 510, I was on the train. So the minute I got off the train, I saw that that had happened, and I went on to Yahoo and got Alfred Morris, and I went on to NFL Fantasy and got Alfred Morris. And then I went and offered trades to the guy that had Ezekiel Elliott, including Alfred Morris in my trade offer. So – I could hopefully double dip on it. Now, granted, none of those trades were fair. None of those offers were fair. Just, just, just telling you. But uh, can the Cowboys survive six games? Well, really five, because they are on a bye this week. Can they survive five games without Ezekiel Elliott and still be a playoff team? Well, they're two and three now, so let me see what their schedule is for the next five games, because it's it's easier for me well, to, they take, to get a feel. In it. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a team that's in controversy already in regards to Jerry Jones, and okay, so they, they play the Niners in, in ten days. They can win that. They play the Redskins. They can win that. Um, they're not going to beat the Chiefs anyway. They're not going to beat the Falcons. The game that'll hurt is they play the Eagles on November nineteenth. Um, on a Sunday night. So the, that would probably put them at, based on what I would say, they would probably be two and three. So, so they're four I don't and have six. Three, four and six. And then they play, they have a tough schedule. They have a very tough schedule. Um, I don't think when we well, did the I looked at the schedule and figured it was going to be this difficult. Um, the, the Falcons are at home or away? Falcons are at Atlanta. Okay, yeah, and I'm with you. That that that's a loss. And I just think I just I mean, think the Chiefs just, are a better team. So, well, I was talking. Yeah, wait, we went from Atlanta to the Chiefs. Well, back to back games. Oh, I yeah, said, the I Chiefs are that, definitely a better team. They're four and six. The only saving great the, the 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 conference is not very. I guess nothing's really that strong. I mean, Philly will be. They would have to win five of their last six to make the playoffs with him, and it would be difficult. You have games against the Eagles, the Raiders, and the Seahawks. So it would be a tough – it's tough. It's tough. It's a tough spell. It's a tough, it's a tough sledding for them. Um, excuse me. So they actually, he would actually miss the Chargers game as well, which would be a winnable game. But I think the Chargers are going to do what the Chargers do. Now that they've won a game, they're going to be they're going to win a lot coming down the stretch and miss the playoffs by a game or two. That kind of sounds like what the, what the Chargers <laughs> do every year. Right? Yeah. 
So it, it, it reminds mean, it reminds me of what the Islanders do too. So it's, I mean, they'll have a remember Alfred Morris was a solid running back. So it, it's not it's not as if you're going you're, you're taking a big step back, obviously, but it's not like you're you're having someone who's an incompetent as, as a running back. So there. And Dak Prescott's just going to have to simply take on a better role. Des Bryant's going to have to be better. That offense will have to be better. The team will have to be better because Philly is very good. Washington is decent. And you're not making the playoffs as a number three team in that division. Not this year anyway. No, absolutely true. Absolutely true. So, so aside from the Jets and aside from the Giants, five games in, who are your surprise teams? I think Carson Wentz has taken that next step. Um, we're going to see him tonight where they face off against the Panthers. I did pick the Panthers minus three, given that they are at home. Uh, I think that they will, I think that they'll cover if nothing else, but I agree. Game games have been, Oh, well that stinks because I, I'm like five games behind you in the pool. So I would have liked you yeah. not to agree with me on that one, but that's all right. We got plenty. Well, we of have time. 11. Weeks. We got plenty we of weeks to go. Play, so, you just I had mean, two really, really good weeks to start. Man, you pulled out a nice, yeah. nice lead in the start. So, um, so yeah, so I think Wentz has taken that step up. I think the Saints have really surprised me as to how bad they've been. Uh, that offense really hasn't clicked. Adrian Peterson was traded to the Cardinals. The defense still isn't bad other than one game against Miami. And I just think that that team, that's another team where you kind of throw your hands up and go, well, we're paying Drew Brees $24 million. They're very much in the same position that the Giants are. They have one quarter of their cap all time. And, look, I don't like Eli very much. I never have. But he is a legend. I mean, he's won two Super Bowls. Even Jim Plunkett could be in the legend category winning two Super Bowls. He's better than Plunkett. But the fact is, you have $24, $25 million wrapped up in one guy, and you have no, no other talent on the entire team. So if you're Drew Brees, do you stay there next year? Do you, do, if, you're looking for, if you're looking for the money, I'm not sure New Orleans should be paying it. No, I'm not either. I, I think this is the end of Drew Brees in New Orleans. I think this is the end of Sean Payton in New Orleans. Um, I think they just, they've had a wonderful run. They won it. They won a, a Super Bowl. They've made countless playoff runs for the last couple of years have not been particularly strong. And this is just a continuation. Um, I don't see them as a disappointment because my expectation wasn't very high of them. Um, I'm actually more disappointed. And I think we had talked about, I think one of the teams that you would like that I didn't, you liked more than I did was Carolina. I mean, it was not Carolina. Was, yep. Was uh, Tampa. I like Carolina. I think yep. Tampa is not taking the step forward, whether you want to blame Nick Falk or Jameis Winston just has not, has not been as good as we had anticipated this year. With a bet, Now, again, with Doug Martin back full-time, maybe he'll be better going forward. I think Pittsburgh's an obvious – I think it's the most obvious disappointment along with the Giants because they have not looked good and – it kind of brings up the interesting question of who is really your number two or number three team so far this year in the AFC? Because it's Kansas City and I guess Denver, 
Then what? You mean Denver, the team that I picked not to make the playoffs? Well, that wasn't really where I was That's going Denver. with it, but yeah. But yeah. I mean, the Raiders I'm haven't tell- been good. New England hasn't been good. It, it's been ugly. Right. Well, I, I'm picking the upset here this week. I think that Pittsburgh beats Kansas City in Kansas City. So, um, if that's the case, then I think you propel Pittsburgh right back up to the top. Maybe not, obviously not over Kansas City, but maybe that is the number two team. And remember, they are in what has become the worst division in football with the Browns and the Bengals there. So they have a, a, a good schedule in the back half. So if any team's going to make a run in the back half, it's probably going to be Pittsburgh. So you look at them and you say, okay. And I'll tell you, even with Indianapolis, I think Indy's going to pull, depending if Mariota plays, I think Indianapolis is going to pull, if Mariota does not play, I'm picking Indy to pull the upset on Monday too. If that will give Indy two wins, I think they'll be two and three at that point. Look, you get Andrew Luck back in, in a couple of weeks, that team can make the playoffs just as much as any other team. I mean, there is there is more parity this year, both in the American American League, the AFC and the NFC. We talk about parity every year, but there's always those two teams, two or three teams in each conference that are just a step above everybody else. I don't know what those teams are in the NFL, period, other than the Chiefs. Uh, even in the NFC, where where are those teams? I don't know. Is I don't the see Rams. One. Yeah, I can't imagine no. you put the Rams up there. Is it the Seahawks? No, well, the Seahawks got trounced. I mean, parity is, is alive and well, and you wonder if all this commotion about the flag is getting on or into the heads of all these people, all these players, and they're just not playing as well, or it just really is parity, and. I mean, we can move on to the flag issue, which we spent almost an entire show on two, two, show, two weeks ago. And Roger Goodell is now meeting with all these teams, hoping that, really, to me, hoping to defuse the situation because sponsors are now getting involved. And when sponsors get involved, that's when the NFL start getting involved. And it's all about the Bucks, guys. It's all about the Benjamins. And when you start losing sponsors... Roger Goodell is going to start paying heed, and I think that's where we're at right now. Yeah, it's 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 a really untenable situation. Um, there's a meeting next week, I think, with the players' association and the owners, based upon discussing this. And oh, to be a fly in the in the, in the room for that one. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think yeah. you're going to get any. I mean. Rashard Matthews of the Titans, who was one of our better pickups on the way to the championship last year, will we'll always be thankful to Rashard Matthews for a couple <laughs> of great weeks in the fact that he has said until President Trump apologizes, not, not anything else, he must apologize that he will not stand for the anthem until he apologizes for calling them sons of bitches. Well, look, I don't know the there's president. A, I think there's a better there's a better yeah. chance of me becoming the president of the United States Soccer Federation. 
than if Donald Trump right. If Donald Trump has not apologized for a single thing that has happened over the last year, considering every comment that he has made, I don't see one coming on this year. So No, and he's double and triple down, so I, I don't see it either. And so I, it, this has now extended to hockey, which we'll have our NHL preview next week. And to those that say that why are you having a preview after the games have started, well, you're right. I mean, I don't have any any answer other than you're right, except for the fact that we weren't able to prepare for it. So, um, but we will touch upon it. Unlike Sean, I really do need to prepare for it because it is certainly not my my expertise. But congratulations to, to Ovechkin, who's had eight goals in the first three games. Now, granted, they've only won two of those. But anyway, so, um, yeah, you're you're not going to see this stop in just the NFL. I think we've we've come to understand that this is going to be a worldwide phenomenon. And I'm actually uh, it's unfortunate in some ways that the World Cup. Do you believe? I I I would have liked to have seen what would have happened if the U.S. made the World Cup because. There's no bigger stage than to make a protest. And that just would – look, I, I'm, I'm looking for worst-case scenario. We've all, we've all talked about it. I love chaos. So uh, this would have been chaos ad nauseum. But that's just the way it is. Okay, five minutes to go. Seth, what is behind door number three? Oh, too many. Where do you even start? I had so many for Tuesday, and I've kind of forgotten about a lot of them. Um, well, first of all, Cubs up one nothing in the first. I'm trying to think what I really have right now. Um, Would you like me to go first, then, sir? If you don't, if you don't terribly mind. I don't terribly mind. Okay, so a very, very uh, big shout out to my family for Disneyland. Kudos to all you people for being able to survive with me for five days. Uh, a very happy seventh birthday to Abigail and Caleb, my niece and nephew over in Long Island. Um, I love you guys very much and uh, can't wait to celebrate with you and enjoy reading those books that we got you. So, uh, so good to go. And as far as anything else, kudos to Brian Cashman. Brian Cashman gets a lot of crap. He always gets a lot of crap. And I guess that's part of, and Seth, I know you talked about this on Facebook, so I I may be stealing a little bit of your thunder. But anybody that is the GM for the New York Yankees, the general manager, is going to get a lot of crap. It's kind of part of the job. But but like five or six years ago, before George died, he he pulled a power play. He said, you're either going to leave me the hell alone or I'm going to go and be the Philadelphia Phillies general manager. And he got his new contract, and he's been left alone pretty much, except for one A-Rod signing. He's been left alone. And look at the talent that they have. Man, I am so jealous. They have the number one, number one or number two farm team, the farm system in, the, in Major League Baseball, probably behind uh, the Atlanta Braves close with the San Diego Padres and Houston Astros. And they're still in the league championship series. I, I can't be more jealous of Yankee fans 
for what they have today and what they will have tomorrow. Now, we know that prospects don't always pan out. I've been a Mets fan. I know this. But it looks like the reinforcements are even better than the present team. So, well done, Brian Cashman. You're up. That must have hurt. That must, that no, must have been very painful. Well, no, because I – hold on. But I, give, I always give credit where credit is due. And he is due a ton of credit. Well, actually, let me ask you a question. Do you okay. find this Yankee three team – I mean, I, that's fine. As a Met fan, is this Yankee team as utterly unlikable? As, I mean, the teams with, yeah. that were brocious, you know, Neil – People didn't hate them the way they hated the A-Rod and, and Teixeira teams. Is this team – now, is this team as hateable as a Teixeira, considering it's a lot of youth more than anything else? It's not as hateable, but there are certainly guys that I hate. I, I cannot stand watching Chapman pitch. And I don't know whether it's the domestic violence. I don't know what it is. I do not enjoy watching him pitch. I do enjoy Patances. I do enjoy David Robertson. But I don't enjoy. I do enjoy Didi Gregarious, but I don't enjoy. Quite frankly, up until Aaron Judge had that emotional home run in Game One, I really didn't enjoy watching Aaron Judge either because I don't think he's a complete player. I think he's much more of a Rob Deere that can field in the outfield than anything else. And I think if he continues down this path, he's not going to have a very long. Major League Baseball career once he gets past that first contract. Because as you saw with Chris Carter, Major League Baseball players are not paid for just home runs anymore. So I don't enjoy watching Aaron Judge play. But, no, they're, they're definitely not as hated as the past. Okay, you got 60 seconds left, Bus. Go ahead. Okay, very simple. The biggest, the most impressive athlete of the last week is one that Sean has never heard of. A guy named Demetrius Jones, awesome. who, as I said, never heard of him, who has set the, uh, the, MMA, US, the MMA record uh, for most consecutive title defenses, 11. And he did it off of a, a suplex into an arm bar, which was so incredible that it, it's never been done before. You know, props to him, and props to him because he's kind of, he's gotten a lot of, caught a lot of grief over the years because he's in a division that's 125 pounds. Um, but he's probably the pound-for-pound greatest fighter of all time, or right there. And so I want to get so props to him. So next week, NHL preview. Maybe we'll get a special guest. <laughs> all right. Hold on. Before you go, I got one more props, and we got like 20 seconds. Props to Jake Kamins for keeping quiet for an entire broadcast. Way to go, Jake. Really proud of you, buddy. Well, he did, okay. He did spill the water. Okay. He stood still. For Chef Cayman, this is Sean Palmer. There we go. We're just over each other. (laughs) See ya. Bye.